It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Today's episode, we are recording this on the final day of February 2021. And guess what? Spring training games are going and it is a Sunday, so I am going to be doing a Sunday request. The show is available on the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available wherever you get your podcasts. When you're staying at home during these still trying and interesting times, be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB or check out some of the other great shows of the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown Today. Locked on Yankees, locked on Pirates, locked on Marlins. All the teams are out there. Follow them. And these shows are going to five days a week now. I've been doing five days a week all off season. Why? Because I'm crazy. But the other shows are as well. So check out your team and follow them day in and day out. You can follow this show on Twitter at Lockdown MLB Pods. I am, and same handle for Instagram. Uh, you can send your Sunday requests to Sully Baseball on Twitter. Or Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Happy final day of February. We got spring training all through this upcoming month. And then the season begins on April 1st. And I will say that I am going to have the new in memoriam video will be done at the end of this month, just before the season begins. So all the teams are starting up on the first day of April. And then uh, the just before that, I'm going to be unveiling in memoriam, which I've now moved to starting the season with it instead of being at the all-star game. Uh, we started that last year because there was no all-star game and the season, of course, didn't begin till July. So I figured it would work then. And I now think that it's a good way to start the season to honor those we've lost. And also because there are so many people i've started the process of putting it together i mean not i've not done a heck of a lot of editing but i'm starting to pull the media wow it's like oh yeah don sutton oh yeah phil necro oh yeah tom siever oh yeah joe morgan oh yeah uh, i mean what was the i mean lou brock oh yeah bob gibson oh yeah tommy lasorda oh yeah dick allen all this before hank aaron and of course, you know, th this year also with my dad. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be not fun, but I think this will certainly be a memorable in memoriam. And we're starting to see teams slapping stuff together, putting stuff together. Players are out there. They're feeling games are starting today. Granted, they're spring training games. I really can't get excited too much about spring training games, but I am eager to just watch the baseball because do you know what i could really use it right now now let's take a look at some of the sunday requests that came in one came in from mark musgrave the third is that it it says mark musgrave i i i so uh that's either the third roman numeral style or he just can't believe things and he's going always going i i i i 
and he says to me, uh, Sully Baseball, can you talk about the 2019 National League MVP race and why Christian Yelich should have won against Cody Bellinger? Now, I have communicated with him a little bit. I found out that he is indeed a Brewer fan and is indeed someone who uh, he, he says his his home is sort of split between Wisconsin and Michigan sports. And so uh, I get it. I get it. There's a little bit of bias and uh, let's every once in a while, take a step back and realize how recently the uh, Miami Marlins outfield was Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich and Marcelo Zuna. Okay. Uh, Christian Yelich did not win the most valuable player award in 2019. He lost to Cody Bellinger. It was an absolute razor thin MVP vote where uh, Bellinger got, uh, he got 362 points and Yelich got 317. Bellinger got 19 first place votes. Yelich got 10. Anthony Rendon got one. Thank you for playing Anthony Rendon. Uh, you take a look at some of the stats alongside there. They were very, very close in certain ways. And in the end, Christian Yelich led the league in average, you know, on base percentage and slugging percentage. And it doesn't take a great mathematician to figure out that if you lead the league in on base percentage and slugging percentage, that you're going to lead the league in OPS. He also had the highest OPS plus, and he, you know, if you dig uh, home runs, he had 44 of them. If you like RBIs, he had 97 of those. If you like runs scored, he scored 100. Uh, he had a remarkable all-round year. And Cody Bellinger, let's not knock him because Cody Bellinger also had a spectacular year. Um, you know, he batted 305 with an on-base percentage of 406 and a slugging percentage of 629 his OPS was also over a thousand he had 47 home runs he also had uh double digit stolen bases Yelich had 30 stolen bases Bellinger had 15. Um, if you're into war I still don't know how war is calculated uh Bellinger had a higher war but that is not in my humble opinion the thing that pushed Bellinger over the top I think both of them had outstanding cases obviously the biggest thing that went against Yelich is he got hurt on September 10th and he was out the rest of the year and did not play in the wild card game, which was against Washington, who actually went on to win the World Series and defeated Cody Bellinger's Dodgers along the way to win the pennant. Now, it's not fair, really, that the injury to Yelich cost him the most valuable player award but there is that element you know he didn't play the last bunch of weeks again not his fault but his final game was on uh the september 10th he, he got the injury he was out for the rest of the year and the brewers went on an absolute tear without him they have they could not lose a game and they wound up storming into that the the wild card spot and you know they had to to leapfrog a couple of teams to to get there. They were not in a position to win a playoff spot when uh, Yelich got hurt. 
and you take a look at the team had, you know, it was a little up and down. They had a kind of a bad second half of August, first part of September, and they were starting to get into a winning streak and he got hurt in that game against his former team, the Miami Marlins. And at the time, the Milwaukee Brewers were behind the Nationals, behind the Cubs, and sort of hovering right next to the Arizona Diamondbacks for a wildcard spot. And they had to leapfrog a couple of teams in order to get that position to play the wildcard game. And they did that without Yelich. Their record without Yelich for the final part of the game, they played uh, 18 games. They won 13 of them. Now, is that fair? It's, are we blaming Yelich? No. But when you have two candidates that are so razor thin, they were so close to each other, the stats between Yelich and Bellinger were so close that factors that really seem to be unfair are going to be the thing that tips it one way or another. Now, you could say the injury to Yelich galvanized the team. You can make it certainly a strong case for that. But in the end, one player had to win it, and they picked the one who was actually standing. Now, look it. I have to say, Mark Musgrave, aye, 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 that you have to adhere a little bit to what I call the Cohen Brothers rule. And the Cohen Brothers rule doesn't quite apply to Yelich yet, but it's pretty close, and I can modify it for Christian Yelich. The, the Cohen Brothers rule for me Cohen Brothers, Joel and Ethan Cohen are two of my favorite filmmakers, and there are many films that I feel that they should have won Academy Awards for and didn't, and sometimes we weren't even nominated. That being said, they are Oscar winners. In fact, they have four, each of them has four Oscars combining for their work in Fargo and No Country for Old Men. And whether or not you think those two are their best movies, you can't complain when someone's already won the award or won them multiple times that they haven't padded their resume. And I think a little bit applies here. If Yelich had never won the MVP, you can start to say, wow, this guy keeps getting overlooked. But he did win the MVP in 2018. And he probably was going to win it again if he didn't get hurt. And when you get two candidates that close, the thing that tips the scales one or the other might not seem fair, but you got to go by the Coen brothers rule, which is he did win it. He did win it. K. Griffey Jr. only won one MVP along the way. There's some great players who never won the MVP. Yelich's name is on there. So it may not seem fair, but sometimes fair has nothing to do with it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. 
real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. We're covering everything you need to know about baseball, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered there with Lockdown Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Lockdown Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's take a look at the next uh, one we're going to do. Uh, oh, here's something I, I was thinking long and hard about. Uh, this one was from Kyle King. I think I've done uh, a one from Kyle King before. Kermit Kyle is the handle on Twitter. Uh, for the Sunday request, what is your favorite classic stat and favorite new stat and why? Mine are batting average and battering average of balls in play or babip, respectively. Uh, for those of you who know me, I'm not a big stat head. I enjoy stats to a degree, but I'm really not someone who gets too into stats the way that some people do. I don't discount them. I'm not one of these people who are like, there's, there are some people who think like stats are stupid. I'm certainly not that, but they're not the thing that get me uh, going in terms of why I follow baseball. Now, that being said, there is a, I guess traditional stat. I mean, I enjoy home runs and I enjoy, uh, I actually kind of enjoy stolen bases. I know I'm not supposed to, but there is a stat which should be one that we all know. There's a stat that should be a classic stat. And it's odd that it's kind of obscure. And that is times on base. Now, when you think about what makes a successful at bat, especially in this day and age where we're loving on base percentage? If you include hits plus walks plus hit by pitch, you don't count be reaching on error, catcher's interference, or anything like that. Just getting on, you have a time at bat and you get on base. Times on base is a stat that you think would be one that would roll off our tongues that we would know who the leaders are. And I've talked about this stat. Nobody has reached base 6,000 times in their career. It's never happened. Never. Even when you go back to those weird stats in like the 1880s, nobody has ever done it. One is made to 5,900 Pete Rose made it to 5,929 times. Nobody got on base more than Pete Rose. Second is Barry Bonds. That's interesting for me because Bonds never got his 3,000th hit. And yet, from all the times he was walked, he, he reached base more than anyone other than Pete Rose. Number three is Ty Cobb. Number four is... Ricky Henderson. And when you start looking at the ones who lead the uh, career in times on base, 
there are a lot of names that you go, yep, these are the most productive offensive players. I already mentioned Rose, Bonds, Cobb, uh, and Ricky Henderson. Then you've got Yastrzemski, Musial, Henry Aaron, Trish Speaker, Babe Ruth, Eddie Collins, Willie Mays, Derek Cheater, Ted Williams, Albert Pujols, Mel Ott, Alex Rodriguez, Steady Eddie Murray, Frank Robinson, Honus Wagner, Craig Biggio. That's your top 20 right there. And you start thinking about, oh, yeah, that, that's, oh, yeah, that's dominated. And some of them are like, wow, yeah, Murray, he did it for all those years. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, I think I missed one. Uh, um, oh, Eddie Collins I missed. Yeah, he was there. So he was on the list too. Sorry, Mel Ott was also on that list. And you start listening. Yeah, these are the these are the best ones. Now, one of the interesting things is times on base. The single season list is strange. There are a couple that are like turn of the century, like Billy Hamilton got on base 362 times in 1894. But the person who got on base the most in one season, Babe Ruth got on base 379 times in his greatest year. No, not the year he hit 60 home runs. Not 1927, but 1923. Barry Bonds' greatest year, not the year he hit 70-some on home runs. With 71, I can't remember. But it was 2004 where he reached base 376 times, second most all time. There's a lot of entries for Ruth, lots of entries for uh, Barry Bonds, lots of entries for Ted Williams on this list. The one that really stood out to me as in terms of getting on base, reaching base, the 16th highest total in Major League history, Major League history, the season where someone got on base, oh, there's only were only 15 other times where someone got on base more than this, was Carlos Delgado. You heard me right. Carlos Delgado in the year 2000. That was the, he got on base 334 times in the year 2000. And that year he slashed, uh, what was it? He slashed 344, 470, 664 for an OPS of one. 0.134. He led the league in none of those categories. He got 196 hits, led the league in doubles. He walked 123 times and got his 378 total bases and got hit by pitch 15 times. It is, in terms of that metric, one of the great seasons in the history of baseball. And that year, he did not crack the top three of the MVP vote. Did not crack the top three. Trail Jason Giambi, who won the award. Frank Thomas, who came in second. A-Rod, who came in third. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting stat. Now, the, the relatively new stat, because there's stuff that I just don't understand. And I'm sorry, but there's stats. I mean, I've mentioned the fact that there's war is a, a stat that I don't know. I understand what it is in theory. I don't understand how you calculate it. There are things like offensive win percentage or win probability added or situation wins added. Those are all really interesting. They don't really appeal to me because I don't quite understand what it is we're calculating there. 
One that I do like, which is, I suppose, relatively new, is OPS Plus. And here's why I like OPS Plus. I like OPS Plus, because first of all, I like OPS as a stat. I like when you combine on base and slugging. It's taking the stats of, okay, you're getting on base, but are you also producing more power? And so you could, ha you could have an uh, on-base percentage of 1,000, but are they all little banjo hits over the, the uh, shortstop head? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it puts a premium on both. And I like OPS. What I like a lot about OPS Plus is that it takes into account, it adjusts for the league and park factors. And so there's sometimes when you see someone who has a, you know, super high OPS, like, yeah, but that was during the steroid era, or that was during this, or someone has a low OPS, and that was during a pitcher's era and everything. So you take a look at who the career leaders were for OPS plus. Number one, this is like in terms of offensive production and adjusting for parks and everything like that. Babe Ruth's on top, followed by Ted Williams, Barry Bonds, Lou Gehrig, and yes. Mike Trout. That's your top five for adjusted OPS. Now you scroll down a little bit. There's a couple of names that would probably catch you off guard, including Hall of Famer Dan Bruthers. Dan Bruthers, who started his career playing for the Troy Trojans of the National League. That's right. Troy, New York had a team for a little bit, and they were disbanded and ultimately a team in New York took its place in the National League that ultimately became the Giants. He first played in 1879. That's, what, 14 years at, after the Civil War ended, he broke into the major leagues in Troy. And he played until 1896 and until he, he had two um, games where he played for the Giants in 1904. But he, was, he was a player in the 19th century. I've never heard of him. He's in the Hall of Fame, but he, in terms of career-adjusted OPS, Dan Bruthers is right there. So I like the I like a stat that takes into account the elements of offense and adjusts it for the times and adjusts it for the eras. So there you go. If I have a favorite, more traditional stat, it would be times on base just because it is a relatively obscure stat. And for the new stats, relative, that's going to be OPS+. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar ever. The new and improved Built Bars is even more delicious with six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp to go along with their 12 original flavors, including my favorite, which is raspberry. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're great if you're health conscious, you're trying to lose or maintain weight, and you want to indulge in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let's take a look at cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carb. You get free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON20, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you. Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aram Lighton, is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. From team-focused farm system breakdowns, prospect rankings, and interviews with some of the brightest up-and-comers in the game, Locked On MLB Prospects is the best way to stay plugged in on the future of your favorite team. Subscribe today wherever you get podcasts. Now, the last one I'm going to do is, is from my good friend Jeff Cohen. He said, saddle a disagreement between myself and a friend of mine. Can the Rays and Pirates afford to pay players, or are they teams with financial problems? Jeff Cohen, 41, has been a guest on the show. We're going to have him on again. He always asks great questions. Um, there's one way to find out if teams are having any financial trouble. It's actually kind of a simple way to do it. They can open their books. They can show us. They can show us that they're having financial issues. But here's the deal. They never do. They cried poverty leading into the 1994 strike, saying that, well, we're losing so much money that some teams may have to be contracted. And yet, whenever anybody asks them to open up their books, They never do. And I don't believe owners. Owners in the past have colluded and been found guilty of collusion. Owners keep crying poverty. But do you what happens when you are really crying poverty? Do you what happens when you are really facing a crisis? You show people. You show people that you are. You give the evidence. And when someone says, we're losing money, we're losing money, we're losing money, and they sign a billion-dollar contract with Turner, and I keep hearing revenues are this and revenues are that, um, I have a hard time believing that they are suffering any financial consequences. Now, the Pirates owner is a fellow named Bob Nutting, who's a billionaire. The owner for the Tampa Bay Rays is not quite a billionaire. He hovers around the 800 to $900 million range. These people have money. And they try to do things like fleece uh, the cities and states that they play in for public funding on their stadiums. But those stadiums are private enterprises, but they want public money for them. Stuart Sternberg of the Tampa Bay Rays could pay for a stadium if he wanted to. If it's such a great deal, as they constantly say to uh, cities when they're trying to get money for them, if it's such a great deal, then why don't you do it? Every owner of a major league team is wealthy. Now, what about the revenue streams they're having? Are they not? Are they not using the money that they, some of them get from the competitive tax and everything like that? I don't know the answer to that. Neither do you, because they're not showing us. Now, look, at I think there should be, especially if there is a luxury tax and the money for the some teams play, pay into the luxury tax goes into a pool towards the teams that have low revenues, all right, or however they calculate that. All that money should be accounted for that is being put into the team 
whether it's signing free agents or signing international free agents or signing players in the draft. Owners should not be able to pocket that. That money should be, should they should show that that money is being paid to improve the club. Doesn't mean it has to be used to spend recklessly in free agents, but it has to be shown that we've, as I said, we've brought in these uh, international free agents where player to all the stuff that you can invest that money in has to be put back into the team. But are they, are they, are these owners are in situation? How did you phrase it? Uh, are they teams with financial problems? I don't believe any team has financial problems. Baseball is going to expand pretty soon. All right. If baseball is a losing enterprise, nobody would want the expansion fee. Now, there are some things, certainly in the world of sport, that I think do lose money and do have financial problems. Let's take like the Olympics. When you start to see cities are not lining up to bid for the Olympics, it's because cities have gotten smart and said, yeah, we don't want this. It doesn't bring in revenues. It's a pain in the butt. And the facilities that you build are obsolete in a couple of years and will knock them down. It's a catastrophe. You know, and I do not, but this is not the case in baseball. If owners are really having these financial issues, then quite frankly, they should show that they are. And do you know what? When you have the two sides are about to butt heads like Rams for any labor difficulty, in order to make their case clear, they better have their ducks in a row to show that they are suffering financially Otherwise, frankly, I don't believe them. I really don't. And I think a lot of, you know, it's a lazy narrative. You got the big markets and the small markets. Well, you have big market teams who act like small market teams out of some because they want to, you know, they're, they're run by rich people who are more interested in keeping their dough than they are to put a competitive team on the field. And every once in a while, you will get an ownership like they have in San Diego or like when Mr. Illich was running the Detroit Tigers that all of a sudden said, F this, I want to see their team in the World Series. You know, I think that's what baseball needs to do. Baseball needs to find more crazy billionaires to come in and have their egos go crazy and to take over some of these teams and throw money around. Every owner has money. They wouldn't be owners if they didn't have money. You know, no one works like, you know, uh, you know, no one has a regular nine to five job trying to make ends meet and says, you know what? I'm going to go buy the Royals. How much does it cost to buy the Mariners? Now they're all very wealthy people. And very wealthy people don't tend to hang on to things that are financial losers. So ask yourself, the Pirates owners, Mr. Nutty has not sold his team. Stuart Sternberg has not sold the team. Huh. If they were in bad shape, wouldn't they put the team up for sale? Do you know who has $3 billion? The guy who runs the A's, a team that is constantly looking for a new stadium and talking about the payroll slashing. 
Three billion tomatoes. John J. Fisher's net worth. And holy cats. The A's act like they're broke all the time. I don't believe it. Am I settling the argument? Not really. Because I don't know the answer. But the fact that I don't know the answer and these owners are holding on to the team and not showing their books to anybody, those are two pretty big clues. There's a difference between belief and knowledge. And, you know, in terms of like believing in like, you know, spiritual things or gods and everything like that, you know, belief is like, are you a theist or an atheist? And knowledge is, are you Gnostic or agnostic? And those are two different things. And so you can believe something without knowledge of it. Knowledge helps support your belief. And you could look at clues. Do I have knowledge that neither the pirates nor the rays are having financial issues? I don't have knowledge of that. But I don't believe they are because the clues that they've laid out there show that very rich people don't like to hold on to things that lose a lot of money. That's how they stay rich. Now, someday I would love to tell you what it's like to be a crazy billionaire, but first I have to get there and I'm going to do it by hosting this podcast. So go to the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app and go to all the places you get your podcasts. And when you're staying at home during these interesting times, be sure to check out Locked On Pirates, Locked On MLB, and tell your smart device to play all of them, including Locked On Today. Answering the Sunday requests on the last day of February. This has been Locked On MLB. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.